You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. There seems to be a perception among Christians that Lutherans are somehow against holy living or against good works. And yet in the Catechism we confess that we ask God's name to be holy among us and that this takes place when the Word of God is taught in its truth and purity and we as children of God lead holy lives according to God's Word. God says, be holy, be perfect, as I the Lord your God am holy and perfect. But does he really mean it? Stay tuned for Equipping the Saints with Pastors Clint Poppy and Adam Moline. Welcome once again to Equipping the Saints. Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Moline, uh, Pastor Thomas Goodroad, and Vicar Noah Kirstein. Yes, we're... Uh, for manning it today and uh, we are um, in transition mode here at good shepherd the um, uh, out with the old in with the new many people know that uh, i am uh, very very close to my retirement uh, pastor goodroad has been called as my replacement and uh, we still have a few weeks left with uh, Vicar Kirstein. So uh, one big happy family as we sit in the Eagle's Nest high atop Good Shepherd Lutheran Church at 3825 Wildbriar Lane in Lincoln. That was always Pastor Morundi's big thing. We're in the Eagle's Nest. Uh, so a little flashback to the, uh, to the past there too. This is episode 62 of Equipping the Saints. We have, uh, we've covered lots of ground since we started this program a little over a year ago. And uh, hope and pray that uh, Pastor Moline and Pastor Goodroad continue to uh, make new content and uh, put it out for the hearers here on KNNA. What we're going to try to do here over the next uh, several uh, episodes is finish up our look at the book of James. We're going to start James chapter 5 today. Pastor, just to uh, rebuttal, answer what you just said, uh, you know, coming up, we are going to uh, begin the book of Proverbs, uh, Pastor Goodroad and I. So there's a little bit of a uh, uh, advertisement for what is to come the book of Proverbs. So if you want to start reading it now, uh, you, you, uh, you would benefit greatly from that. Uh, Proverbs on equipping the saints. Yes, sir. All right, that will be uh, that will be good. That will be good. We will look forward to that. And there are many different approaches to the book of Proverbs, whether it be uh, topical or uh, verse by verse or whatever. I know some Christians, as a part of their daily devotional reading, read a chapter a day in the book of Proverbs, depending on the uh, numerical date of the year that they're in or the month. So um, there's, there's lots of different ways to uh, look at that, so I'll look forward to that program. Yeah, we're planning on tackling it backwards in Pig Latin. So, <laughs> is that uh, ipsne nusne? I I don't know Pig Latin. I just can mock it. Um, <laughs> well, welcome, Pastor Goodroad, and uh, we're gonna dig right in James chapter five. Uh, if you want to uh, look at the uh, 
previous episodes or listen to the previous episodes, you can check out our content on KNNA Theological Programming on uh, any of your favorite podcast providers. And I believe we started our look at the book of James with episode... Hold on just a second. I believe it was episode 44 um, where we started looking at James and we've been going verse by verse. Vicar, do you want to read verses 1 through 6? Not sure uh, how far we'll get today, but uh, most English translations have that uh, section set apart. And it says, uh, warning to the rich in my ESV Bible. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasures in the last days. Behold the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Oh, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Some pretty heavy law here from uh, James. And we're we're really piggybacking on the end of chapter 4. And uh, just a a brief reminder, there are no uh, chapter and verse divisions in the uh, original Greek of the New Testament. And so this is a free-flowing letter. We heard uh, boasting about tomorrow. It just seems natural that uh, James would free-flow into a section on boasting about the rich. And uh, we've got some some pretty harsh language here pastor um there is no as we've as we've noted throughout the book of james when uh, james is talking to his congregation when he's talking to fellow christians he says brethren and he does this quite often um that's missing here are we to are we to take from that that uh, james is talking to unbelievers? Is he talking to Christians who have fallen from the faith because of their riches? Uh, This does not seem like a general admonition to Christians about money. Help me out here. Well, I'd, I'd say several things in that regard. First off, it would be really strange to have written all the book directed at Christians and then all of a sudden to swap to a different target audience here in the very last bit of the book. Good point. Uh, So I don't think that that he's changing that, but I think he's been narrowing in further and further specifically uh, onto some of the people that he really wanted to address their sins. I want to point out too then, we also have um, this parallel construction from chapter 4 verse 13 that we see the first verse of chapter 5 mirror. Uh, And so they both say, come now you something. So the one from chapter 413 says, come now you who say, uh, we're going to go make a bunch of money. And now we have come now you rich 
And so this parallel construction is a way to indicate specifically who you're talking about by saying different attributes of them each time. And you see that take place here in 5 verse 1. And so it's building off of what has come before, and he's narrowing in specifically. The ones who said today or tomorrow will go and make money in this town are the same ones he's talking to in 5.1 who are rich, who ought to weep and howl for their, the miseries that are going to come upon them. Okay, I like that. Uh, I like that connection back to uh, four thirteen because it is uh, it is the same intro that is there. Um, with the, even in the Greek letter to letter, I mean, it is exactly the same in those two places. Okay, well, and that's that's interesting that uh, uh, our English translations would actually get that right. <laughs> Some, sometimes, uh, sometimes they botch that. Um, uh, Lenski and I've been. Uh, working along with Lenski as we've been working through James on page 645 of his commentary, says this, This section very appropriately follows the preceding one, which speaks of doing business and getting gain and planning it all without God. In fact, the whole of chapter 4, verses 1 through 10 regarding pleasures and friendship for the world, verses 11 through 12 regarding acting superior to the law, and verses 13 to 17, regarding forgetting God when making money, leads directly to this excoriation of the rich. Yet James is charged with patching heterogeneous pieces together. He found this paragraph somewhere and inserted it here. A redactor is also mentioned. Instead of recognizing that James follows the Old Testament and the preaching of Jesus, Jewish apocalyptic literature is cited in order to shed light on this paragraph and the next because of the parousia of the Lord and the last judgment are mentioned in them. Um, Lenski is mocking them. Yeah, he's mocking them that that there is no redactor. He's been doing this all the way through the book. No, the, it's it's what a faithful pastor does, right? Um, so when you look out at the congregation on a Sunday morning. Not all the members are committing the exact same sins. And so as a pastor, you have to address all the things that are going on to the best of your ability. And you are not able to do it in every sermon or writing or letter or anything like that. And James has done this. So he's addressed those who are facing persecution. He's addressing those who are uh, caught up in themselves. He's now addressing those who are rich. It's the same, you know, uh, in a congregation where you address those who live too long in social media or those who uh, are hateful towards their neighbors or those who use bad language or those who are committing adultery, you might bring a little bit of all of that into your sermon or your Bible study, and it uh, addresses everybody so that all may be convicted of their sin and all may also believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think, I think that's an excellent point, one that you've uh, emphasized all the way through this study, that James is first and foremost a pastor. And as a pastor, he is preaching to his congregation. And as he is preaching to his congregation, there is application to all Christians in every congregation, even to this very day. We've, uh, we've seen those practical applications very, very clearly. Come now, you rich, weep and howl, for your miseries are coming upon you. Um, this seems like a kind of an odd word picture because generally when we think of the rich, we are thinking of those who are partying, 
who are partying hardy and uh, who are celebrating and uh, shouting uh, in their drunkenness or in their richness or whatever. And now James says, uh, weep and howl. Uh, Pastor Goodroad, Thomas, I'm going to call you Thomas for this program here, okay? Uh, Thomas, thoughts on that uh, kind of uh, turn of a phrase with regard to the weeping and howling? Um, yeah, I think that's that's very interesting because oftentimes people who are uh, very rich, they, they value what they have. They value the things here of this world. They will boast not in the Lord as the Bible commands us to do. Rather, uh, they boast in all the things that their money can purchase. And I think that's very telling of what's most important to them in their lives. You know, you talk to a good lifelong Christian, goes to church every Sunday, and somehow they're going to bring the Bible into the conversation uh, sooner or later. But whenever you're talking to someone who really cares about all the things of this world, that's what the focus is going to be on. So I think that's what this is talking about here. What do you think? I, I, I tend to agree. One thing, uh, Vicar, I want you to weigh in here. When I think of weeping and howling, I'm reminded of those passages in Scripture where we talk about uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth. When we hear that in Scripture, what is that generally a reference to? It would be the outer darkness, hell, the separation from God some unspeakable horror that is befalling whoever is being cast into that outer darkness. And, and I'm sure the uh, hearers of James' congregation are picking up on that uh, wordplay as well. And this is where if you've read through the book of James, as we've encouraged you to, if you get to, uh, to when you get to the end of chapter 5, there's going to be a lot of talk about uh, the parousia, the uh, end times. And uh, this is something for the Christian to look forward to, but uh, for those who have rejected and despised God, uh, that is a day of terror, torment, weeping, gnashing of teeth. Pastor Moline. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. The word that is used here in the Greek is klyao, and uh, klyao isn't the word that is used when there's weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell, but rather it is used uh, at the death of someone, or for example, and I think this goes right along with it, when St. Peter uh, realizes that he has denied Christ three times before the rooster crows, he runs away weeping. It's that sort of a weeping, uh, which I think welds itself well in the sermon that James desires the rich people to be repentant of their sin and to acknowledge it and to have that uh, contrition for it. It's that sort of a weeping that's taking place. I'll let you disagree with me. We'll pick up a little bit more on that when we come back. Equipping the Saints, don't change that dial. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Equipping the Saints. Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Moline, Pastor Thomas Goodroad, and Vicar, Vicar Noah Kirstein. Um, we are privileged to serve the saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We're working our way through the epistle of James. We are in chapter 5. Took us a while to get there, but there's uh, so much good stuff in this uh, gem of a book. We're now in uh, 5, 1 to 6. That's the section that we're looking at now. 
Uh, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. And uh, Pastor, right before the break, Pastor Moline, right before the break, you uh, boldly, uh, unceremoniously disagreed with me. And, uh, you know, that's your your right. That's your prerogative. But uh, uh, I think we're talking past each other. Because I was thinking about the weeping and gnashing of teeth that people experience at the graveside, and uh, you know, and I, you, you as a pastor, as long as you've been, you've probably witnessed it too. When people have no hope, when people have no assurance of the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting, there's nothing left but terror. There's nothing left but weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I made the jump from the the uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth, the hopelessness of that weeping and gnashing of teeth to the end, the final, uh, burning in the abyss, all that. So I don't think we're, we're that far off. I was okay. just making kind of a, a theological jump there and uh, didn't make myself as clear as I could have. So Sounds good. I think, we're on the, I think we're on the same page. So let's look at verse 2. Uh, James 5, verse 2. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Um, Pastor Moline, you have uh, many times throughout our study of the book of James talked about how James was uh, echoing the words of his brother Jesus, and it seems to me that uh, these words are pretty similar to some of the things that Jesus says in the uh, Sermon on the Mount with regard to uh, where your riches are. Uh, Is this another one of those connections there in James 5, verse 2? I think it is. I think it's another place where he's making a reference to the words of Christ himself. Uh, In chapter 6 of the Gospel of St. Matthew, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I, you know, you see those words both there. You see riches, you see moths. Uh, you got that whole idea that's taking place here. James is quoting his brother Jesus. And uh, we see this, we, we've seen this throughout the book. And I think, uh, I think this is further testimony to the identity of James, further testimony to how he, uh, he knew the teachings of Jesus his brother, um, he taught them, he lived them, and uh, applied them uh, to his hearers on and on. Um, oftentimes we, we think back to the Sermon on the Mount, and that was the exact place I was thinking in uh, Matthew 6. But Jesus talks about um, the foolishness of riches, the uh, potential evil of riches, and the danger of not being rich toward God in the Gospel of Luke as well. And that's, uh, you know, for a lot of reasons, that's just not as familiar to us. And uh, so this is not just a Sermon on the Mount reference, but it is um, uh, in several other places as well. Um, uh, Let's see here. Linsky says, Paul tells the godly rich how to treat and use their riches in 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. They are to employ them for good works, 
such wealth does not rot. And uh, I think that's a I think that's an interesting point too. Um, you know, if I have paper money, which was not in use at that time, am I right, Pastor? It was not. They had coins, obviously, um, but the value of the coin is actually really related to the value of the precious metal that was in there, which is part of the collapse of the uh, Roman society is when they inflated it by lessening the amount of precious metal in there and replacing it with cheap metal, um, much as is happening with our paper money today. And Sorry to throw that in there. <laughs> gold or silver, uh, copper, these metals, you know, they, they do not rust. They do not fade away. They last for a long, 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 long time. And so we, we've got a word picture here. Excuse me. We've got a word picture here talking about uh, riches that are true, riches that last, riches. Um, and uh, ultimately, the uh, richness and the riches that God gives us that last forever are Christ. Uh, the forgiveness of sins, uh, eternal salvation. And uh, in uh, Timothy there, 1 Timothy six seventeen to 19, Paul is exhorting Timothy to preach the riches that continue on forever, the good, we good works that flow from faith. Anything else um, on uh, verse 2, or can we move on? No, I think, uh, you know, the, the garments that are moth-eaten as well that just kind of reinforces the point that you've been making, too, that if you really value something good like a good confession there's nothing that can take that away from you there's nothing that can eat any holes in your good confession the word of god uh it is going to last forever it is completely perfect given to us by god i like that word picture nothing can eat any holes in your good confession i'm going to probably steal that one um all right verse three your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Pastor, um, Pastor Moline, uh, help me out here. seems like we've got a couple of competing metaphors going on in verse 3. Well, um, I, I don't know that we do. I mean, you see again, these things that are in this world fall apart and wear out. Um, and if your trust is in them, right, if your trust is in your riches, your wealth, your fancy clothing, your uh, fast car, big house, whatever it is, um, as those things fall apart and ultimately will be destroyed on the last day when the world is destroyed by fire, the same is true for you in your flesh. Uh, if your faith is in those things, you also will be destroyed by fire on the last day, uh, world without end uh, in that fire. Help me out here, guys, with regard to uh, the ESV says corrosion. Um, I think that's the word for rust, if I remember right. Also poison. Rust or poison. That is a that is a really really interesting connection there, and you know you can have a piece of metal, and uh, again, um, I think James is purposely doing you know the gold and the silver will rust even though we know gold and silver don't rust. He's making a point; they're not going to last. They will be like poison to you. Uh, 
um, they'll corrupt your soul if uh, if you worship them as you would a god. But uh, this this whole thing with rust, if you have a piece of metal, it takes only minutes for unprotected metal to start rusting. And I have seen this. Um, you, uh, you have a piece of metal, you're getting it ready to paint, and uh, you, uh, you sand it, you buff it, whatever. And if you're delayed even a few minutes, when you come back, there's already a, a, a fine coat of rust on there. You've got to start all over. That, that rust is evidence that something is dying, something is corroding. You know, an inanimate object like a piece of metal can't die. But the corrosion shows that it's not going to last forever. And I think that's a marvelous, marvelous word picture here. Um, the things that we value are corroding. They are rusting. They are like a poison for our soul. Am I, am I making that too strong, Pastor? No, and I think the weird thing about it is, you know, gold doesn't do that. Uh, you know, that's why your wedding ring is made out of gold, because it won't corrode or rust. It might get dirty, it might get scratched, but it doesn't do that. But uh, in God's promise in, in the end times, uh, those things will be destroyed. I, I, Silver is a little different. It tarnishes, right? But again, it doesn't... Um, it doesn't rust like iron does. It doesn't uh, fall apart like other metals do when they get weaker through uh, oxidization and things like that. Gold and silver don't have those problems, but in the end, they also will be destroyed in the same way as all those other temporary metals are like iron and steel. going to need all that gold for the uh, paved streets of heaven. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> I think that... I mean, that's why it's so unique that they have the streets paved in gold, right? You put your least valuable things uh, that are cheap and able to be spread out onto your roads. That's why ours are concrete and uh, asphalt. And in the ancient world, that's why they were stone, because they were plentiful and cheap. Great word picture. Um, James doesn't stop there. In verse 3, he says... Um, they will, your gold and silver, you know, all that kind of stuff, will eat your flesh like fire. Uh, that's a pretty powerful word picture, Thomas. What's going on there? Well, I think it says uh, their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. So it's talking about the, the corrosion of this. This is evidence against the person who loves the gold and silver. In other words, this is talking about someone who completely trust in the things of this world. See, look at how this gold and this silver is corroding. It is wasting away. Like you said, something is dying. This is just like you and your soul. If you do not put your trust in the Lord, uh, that's what he's talking about here. This is a reflection on you. So put away all these things, this lust for worldly objects, and rather put your trust in the Lord, the one who will make your soul not be consumed by fire, but rather live in eternity in the presence of God. I think the, the picture here, uh, well said, by the way, I think the picture here of both rust and fire in the same verse points to the destroying power of rust, corrosion, the destroying power of fire. And uh, James, is, James is hitting the topic from two different ways, 
but he's saying exactly the same thing. This, uh, this last phrase, uh, Pastor Moline, on here, you have laid up treasure in the last days. Is he talking about you've laid up the wrong treasure, gold and silver, for the last days? Or is he saying, you Christian, you know better. You haven't laid up gold and silver. You've laid up the right treasure for the last days. How, how are we to take that last phrase? Well, I think that's the beauty of that particular phrase, is, uh, that, and that's why it's such a great thing to use in a letter like this or perhaps in a sermon, uh, is that uh, it's, a, it's a law and gospel sort of a thing. It depends on where your faith is. It can go either direction and either condemn you or also be your promise in Christ. And uh, your, uh, your faith, your, your trust, your uh, belief in, in where you stand yourself is actually the determining factor in that. And I think that connects us also back to um, the part you quoted before uh, from Matthew 6. Sorry, just lost my place for a minute. Matthew 6, where uh, don't don't uh, store up for yourself treasures on earth, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Um, I think a great parallel there. We need to take a break. Equipping the Saints, we'll be right back. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Equipping the Saints. Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Pastor Goodroad, Vicar Kirstein. We are working our way through the book of James. We're in chapter 5. Uh, Vicar, would you want to refresh our uh, memory with those um, first six verses of James chapter 5? Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasures in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Uh, harsh words of law here, uh, words of warning, um, warning for the Christian to not get too closely attached to the things of this world, to riches, to gold and silver, uh, things that uh, sometimes will lead our hearts astray from the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and lead us to do all kinds of evil and wicked and uh, nonsensical things. Uh, before we leave verse 3, Pastor, um, you have laid up treasure in the last days. Can you explain to me what, uh, what these last days are that James is referring to? And uh, um, 
Okay. Uh, we've been having technical difficulties here all along, so I'm not sure what that just did in the midst of our program. But uh, um, bear with us. That's all I can say. Last days. Yeah, well, you're in them. That's why we're having technical problems, right? Uh, that's why um, the world looks like it's falling apart. Uh, that was really good. Um, see that how I do really That's good. why you pay me the big bucks. You should, um, do, uh, you should do a radio, radio program on the wisdom of Proverbs. That would be really that, good. Yeah, yeah. I, if only I had uh, you know, a, a partner to help me go through that book. That oh, Hey, what are you up to? <laughs> hey, we should, we should look into that. Sorry, go ahead. No, the last days are now. We're in them, and they will continue until... Uh, at God's good timing and his wisdom, he brings the world to an end, returning, um, Christ returning on the clouds with the angels and the trumpet call, and the world will be purged and destroyed by fire and a new creation brought about where we will be bodily raised to live forever. We are ever drawing closer to that. Every moment we're closer to that. It is coming soon and very soon, uh, and repent lest ye likewise perish when that day arrives. Well, Pastor, with, with regard to this last day kind of mentioning here, um, it's uh, you have laid up treasure in the last days. Uh, the last days is different from the last day. Am I correct? Um, we're, when we're talking about the last day, we're, we're talking about the end of the world, Christ's power and might coming in glory, and the last days are these days leading up to the last day. Am I making a mountain out of a molehill here? No, I, I think that's kind of what I said, is that we are in the the time that is headed that direction, and things are falling apart and, and breaking, and uh, the end wars, rumors of wars, right? All these things, uh, earthquakes, uh, famines, all these things are what are going on as a remembrance of us that they, the great final last day is coming. Okay. And once again, James is exhorting Christians, his hearers, us today, to be ready, to be ready and to prepare to use these last days wisely. Vicar, um, We've, we've talked a lot over the last several months about, you know, James is teaching Christians how to live. Why is that so important that a proper Christian piety be developed among us in preparation during these last days? Well, when the last days which are already here among us, but things will get worse. And if you aren't prepared for that, if you aren't prepared through preaching and teaching about persecution, when persecution comes, you're more likely to fall away from the faith. When you are separated from teaching about the last days and the hardships and struggles and the trials and temptations that will come with all of these bad things that are coming, the likelihood that you will fall away from your faith is greater. So it's important to teach about the last days, to teach that you shouldn't just be storing up treasures here on earth because all of that is going away. And at the end of the day, it's not what saves you. Jesus Christ, our Lord, is who saves you. Um, the material wealth that you've built up and stored up here on earth 
it's all going away. It can't save you. It can't stop the end of the world, and it can't stop Christ from coming back. So, store up your treasures in heaven, not here on earth. You know, you know extremely well said. Thank you, Vicar. I, I knew you were going to go there, and uh, it just I couldn't help but think about, uh, you know, the three years or so of COVID that uh, the whole world experienced. And, uh, you know, the panic and the shutdowns and uh, the government handouts and the mass uh, inoculations and all of these things that happened for a disease that when you compare it with diseases in history, like the plague and things like this, was relatively pretty minor. I'm not trying to make light of anybody that died of COVID or anything like that. But in the grand scheme of things, it was a pretty small percentage. And people have said repeatedly, the way our country, the way the world handled the COVID crisis, um, if something happens in the future that is worse, uh, that does not bode very well. Uh, we weren't prepared. We didn't handle it very well, all these kind of things. You take that word picture, you take that example, and you apply that to what we're talking about here. We're not talking about, uh, you know, where am I going to get my next paycheck from or uh, will Netflix be available so I can look at my next binge, that kind of a thing. Uh, we're talking about eternal life. We're talking about the fires of hell. We're talking about forgiveness, life, and salvation. And when we put those things in perspective, that we are living in these last days. And it makes really, really good sense for Christians to act like Christians, to behave like Christians, to live and love like Christians. And I think that's where, where James is going here. Uh, Thomas? Yeah, I think it gives everyone just a little bit of a uh, sense of urgency. You know, when you talk about the last days, there isn't any guarantee that we will have a tomorrow. All we really have is today. So we need to focus on what God is actually telling us to do, not relying on, oh, I can do that later. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a millennial, so I grew up listening to uh, the wisdom of people who were born in the baby boomer generation. You're welcome. Um, and when I say wisdom, I'm really not being tongue-in-cheek, though you would expect me to be, um, because, you know, there's, there was a lot of wisdom there. But there is one piece of uh, wisdom, and this time it's in air quotes, that I heard over and over and over. It is that, well, you know, these kids, they're leaving churches and droves and everything, but uh, <clears throat> they'll be back. You know, they'll come back later. They'll realize what they're missing out on. They're just busy right now with college and kids and getting married and sowing their wild oats, whatever it may be. Um, but there's this assumption behind all of this that there will actually be a tomorrow. Uh, there's not that sense of urgency there that the Bible is constantly exhorting us to have as Christians, that uh, these are the last days. We should pay attention to everything that's going on here. We should uh, pay attention to what the Word of God is really telling us. And as Christians, we should seek to do what God is telling us to do and do it joyously. Pastor Moline, one last thought on this last day thing. What about what about people who, you know, listening to this program and all of a sudden they're stricken with guilt? Um, I've been living for today. I've been living for myself. Um, I've been storing up for myself uh, treasures here on earth, and uh, that's about all I've cared about. What about the people now that hearing these this word of God are um, 
um, convicted, uh, what should they do? Give away all their money and all their stuff and uh, join a uh, commune someplace? What, uh, what's the proper res- uh, response for the person who is convicted by this word from James? Well, uh, if that's what you're thinking, uh, you know, God says very clearly uh, that you're foolish. Uh, and so in that foolishness, repent, uh, repent of your sin, confess your sin, and turn to the mercy of God earned in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, and that way you can switch from building up your treasures in this world to building them up uh, in the world that is to come where moth and rust will not destroy and where you'll live forever in the peace and glory of God. Repent and receive the forgiveness of sins. It's really that simple, folks. Verse 4 of James 5. Behold the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. I couldn't help but think about how this is really the flip of the parable that we have every year in our uh, readings uh, early on, I believe, in uh, the Trinity season. Uh, maybe, maybe it's in one of the Gesima Sundays, but uh, we've got the, uh, oh, it's, it's, certainly it's in one of the Gesima Sundays, where it's not fair. It's not fair. The uh, parable of the workers in the vineyard and the people that are paid or that work the least are paid exactly the same amount as those that work the most. Um, there, the uh, owner of the vineyard is not cheating people. The owner of the vineyard is being exceptionally generous. And he's paying people more than he actually owes them. That's not usually the case in this world. Usually the case in this world is people are trying to cheat and squeeze and manipulate. And oftentimes it's the poor or the poor worker that is the brunt of this kind of behavior. Pastor? Yeah, I think the thing that uh, James is specifically talking about, you know, uh, if someone works for you according to um, the scriptural law, you pay that person that day. You don't hold back the wages and and thereby leave them hungry for a period of time before you pay them. Uh, and he sees that the the people who are wealthy in the congregation are doing that. They're using the money for themselves, and they're not paying the people. They're maybe even defrauding them. So he's breaking the, the law according to Leviticus chapter 19, um, and that's the same thing in that parable that you were talking about. That's one of the issues that's there. Everybody gets paid every day. Um, and we could, we could do the same thing in our world today, right? <laughs> Did you ever think that the church would own an organization that collects interest from churches, right? Um, that uh, you have a mortgage and, uh, and people collect mortgage from congregations, collect interest from that. Um, oh, you mean, you mean that I, organization that we, uh, we advertise in our weekly news and notes? Here at Good Shepherd, uh, you know, um, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's like something that, that should that be are rethought. Actually, um, going contra or against the scriptures um, in the the practices. You know what I mean. And uh, James is calling them out and saying, "This is not appropriate. You shouldn't do it." And maybe we should do more of that ourselves. I think uh, I think you hit on a good uh, topic there, Pastor, and one that will come up in the Book of Proverbs as well. So. Um, Uh, We'll plant the seed there. Equipping the saints, James 5. We'll be right back. 
listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Equipping the Saints, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Pastor Goodroad, and Vicar Kirstein. It's been uh, fun to have all four of us here today as we look at James 5, 1 to 6. This is episode 62 of Equipping the Saints. Uh, one last thing, um, either pastor can chime in here, but in verse 4 uh, of James 5, Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. Uh, when I hear that phrase, crying out against you, I'm drawn back to Genesis chapter 4, where the blood of Abel cries out uh, for vengeance. Is, uh, is that a... Is that a good connection? Is James wanting me to get that kind of a connection, or is that just uh, off the top of my head? Yeah, I think that is the connection that uh, we're talking about, and we see this wider picture of that throughout the entire scriptures where um, the sins uh, of people cry out against them to God, and also those who are sinned against, uh, they and their voices cry out to the Lord. And so you see that in Cain and Abel, when Abel's blood cries out um, against Cain uh, for vengeance. And you see this idea as well because the word that is used here, uh, the Lord of Sabaoth, right, or as it's translated in the ESV, the Lord of hosts, um, that is, in a sense, this picture of God sitting in his throne in heaven, surrounded by the cherubim and the host of heaven, uh, and kind of a military term, almost the military picture of God who is going to, um, by force, make right what has been wrong. I think it also kind of reminds me of the colloquialism that we'll hear these days, uh, being caught red-handed, you know? Um, when you're caught red-handed, oh, you got red paint all over your hands this red paint is kind of crying out against you it's uh it's this evidence is here testifying against you that you have sinned the fact that you have these wages you've held back from the laborers are are evidence against you is that macbeth where he's trying to wash his hands from the the spot of blood that he sees that isn't actually there from shakespeare um, i i have never made the connection between being caught red-handed and blood and so that's that's the revelation that i've had for today so um that's a good one that's a good one the the blood uh the innocent blood cries out for vengeance and we can make all kinds of uh connections of that today uh, you know we have all throughout history and pastor moline you could enlighten us on this we have all throughout history where kings and emperors and tyrants have withheld the wages of soldiers soldiers who are going out and conquering all these lands and all these peoples and yet they're being chintzy with uh, the pay or holding back 
on that. We could talk about uh, the uh, the blood, the slaughter of the innocents that goes on today with uh, the massive sin of abortion. There are so many applications to this, and uh, that crying out against you, James just has this um, this way of using a little phrase that is common throughout Scripture, and it just explodes with all these biblical imageries. And I think that's one of the things that makes James such a, such an awesome book for us to study. We've got to keep moving on if we're going to finish this section, folks. Uh, verse 5, you have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Vicar, um, Scripture talks about things that are fattened for slaughter, and that's a good thing. What kind of things would be fattened for slaughter that would be a good thing or a positive thing? Well, the fattened calf, you know, because it's fat, it's, it's rich, it's tastier, it's a better sacrifice, it's a better offering, it's a better meal because it's fattened. Okay, so we, we have this picture of you fatten up animals on purpose for sacrifices. We do it today. We fatten up our cattle in the feed yards. You know, we take them off the range, we bring them into the feed yards, and we fatten them up for market. You don't take your scrawny hogs to the butcher shop. You want a big fat one. You know, this is, this is the kind of an imagery that everybody gets with regard to poultry and livestock and all of these ed, uh, animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. Here, we have this flipped on end. Who's getting fat? And what kind of sacrifice are we talking about here, Pastor? Yeah, um, the the people getting fat are these rich ones, and they are living for today, and they're enjoying it and uh, uh, yucking it up and uh, having fun. But the the warning is is that the ones who are fat are the ones that get slaughtered first, and that's the thing that James is trying to drive home. I think this is a big warning that we in the United States in the year 2023 and pretty much the last hundred years, really need to be cautious about because we live in a day in a world where we are wealthy beyond all imagination. You know, past Pop, you and I went to that um, presenter at the Life event a, a year or so ago where he said, it's good to be in the United States, a land where the poor people are fat because that's not the way it has been throughout all history. It's not the way it is in all the world even today. And so many people in our country, in our world today, who are rich, take it for granted and don't care about God. And they are living for this moment, and their comeuppance will come. It's interesting. You, you look at uh, pictures from 100 years ago, 120 years ago, 150 years ago, of the circus that would come to town. And... The, the people that would be on display, like the world's fattest man or the world's fattest woman. And you walk around today, and chief of sinners though I be, you walk around today, and you might see six or eight people fatter than them um, that were put on display 100 years ago. I think as a nation, and I think this belies where we are spiritually too, as a nation, we have gotten fat. And we have gotten fat not only uh, physically, but we have gotten fat spiritually. And uh, 
Pastor Goodroad, that's where I want to take you because uh, this is not in this text here in uh, James 5, verse 5. It's not talking about, you know, you, you, you've got a, a, a big roll that hangs over your belt. Like, uh, was it King Eglon uh, in, uh, in the book of Judges? You have fattened your hearts. I don't think we're talking about uh, the, the fatty part of the heart that uh, maybe causes some kind of heart disease because you're overweight. What is James getting at here when he talks about you have fattened your hearts? Well, I think he's talking about um, what their hearts really desire. Their hearts have desired all of these uh, temporal things, all of these riches and, and things like that, and they have completely and totally indulged themselves on these things. Um, and it says, in a day of slaughter, you know, well, when... When the slaughter would come around back then, it's like, hey, everybody's eating really good for a while, and everything that's left that uh, you can't eat right then gets preserved, gets dried out, gets salted, and so on and so forth. Um, so you're eating really good for a while. That's what he's talking about here is these people have indulged themselves on everything that this world has to offer and has not paid any attention to what the, world, the Word of God actually says and what the Son of God has to offer. Vicar, do you think that's fair? Do you think our world today is indulging and fattening their heart on every thing imaginable? Uh, that's as close to a quote as I can get from Pastor Goodroad. What do you think? I would agree, absolutely. The, the amount of wealth and prosperity that we have in our land, the amount, the, the industry of entertainment is just incredible. You can waste your entire life away. You can, you can get good food cheap, relatively. Entertainment is endless and free and inexpensive. You can travel the world relatively cheaply in this age of prosperity and in innovation and technology. There are so many things that the world broadcasts to you to get your attention to pull you away from Christ um, and it's it's incredibly easy to fall into that to fatten your heart on the things of this world to pursue and chase the things that your sinful selfish flesh want to the devil makes it way too easy for us in the United States in particular and he wants to yes because when you're comfortable when things are fine, when you're calm, then you tell yourself you don't really need Jesus because everything just feels like it's going to work out. Everything is like that book uh, where there's a happily ever after at the end or the movie. Oh, where every, the, the Hallmark episodes. You know, or I like the, um, the Pink Floyd, you know, they say comfortably numb. I think we are. I think so many people are. And it's not that being rich is the sin, but if you become comfortably numb and won't believe in Christ, then you are condemned. There was a uh, Harrison Ford, Brad Pitt movie from a few years ago uh, about the Irish and the uh, Civil War struggles, the Irish Republican Army and all these things. And Brad Pitt comes, a shirt tail relative, lives with Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford's a cop. And uh, it's, a, it's a real, I can't think of it. You can Google the, what I just told you on the plot and you can figure it out. But at the end of the movie, um, when you're not really sure 
who's going to live and who's going to die, Brad Pitt looks at Harrison Ford and said, this is not an American movie. Or this is not an American ending. This is an Irish ending. Americans always have happy endings. Most of the world realizes that's not the case. And I think that's a really, really good way to, uh, to look at this. We have grown fat, and even the tiniest little bit of inconvenience causes us to howl and to scream about how mean or unfair God is. And we need to repent for that. Verse 6, I think, uh, emphasizes what we've been talking about. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Uh, Lenski goes in great detail talking about this is not specifically about the righteous person, Christ, but how in our world today, those who are upright, those who are righteous, those who are Christians are often the ones who are the brunt of everyone else's attack. And uh, they are murdered uh, either physically or whatever way the world uh, attacks us. And what does the righteous do? The righteous stays righteous. He doesn't attack. He doesn't lash out. Pastor, final thoughts on this uh, section 5, 1 to 6? I think, um, you know, would that all of us were as good at um, preaching and writing and uh, getting to the heart of the matter as St. James was. Um, I think that would benefit all of us greatly in our ministries. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. Um, We are going to bring things to a close. This has been episode 62 of Equipping the Saints, James 5, 1 to 6. We'll be back as we continue to finish out the book. God's richest blessings in Christ. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska.